Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. There's a lot of positive news out there this morning, ladies and gentlemen, and by positive news, I don't mean the kind of promises being offered by the government, which will be broken down the road. No, what I mean is that people are starting to wake up and actually take action, and people are also uh, starting to get a little peeved, shall we say, uh, at the idea that there's one rule for them and another rule for us. Because, of course, if you happen to belong to the UEFA uh, Members Club, you can come to Britain. You don't have to quarantine. You can do whatever you want. You can claim you're in a bubble. You can be feted. Uh, you can be catered to. Uh, you can be pampered. You can be put up in a hotel. And you don't have to quarantine. You don't have to be given the kind of food that we told you about that was being handed out yesterday to people who have paid £1,700 for the privilege. Indeed, if you are in UEFA, uh, you can do whatever you want. You can go to Cornwall, a bit like the people from the G7. But there wasn't quite so many of them. Although, I suppose once you add in all the bodyguards and all the uh, lackeys and all the diplomats, it's probably the same thing. But how on earth can the government of this nation say to us, do you know what? We might be able to let you do some stuff in a couple of weeks. We might be able to even let you do some stuff on July the 19th. But you can't do it now. No, no, no. It's far too dangerous to do it now. Because look, there's another variant. We're calling it Delta Plus. Whatever happened to the Greek alphabet? I don't know what comes after Delta, but it's certainly not Delta Plus, as far as I'm concerned. I seem to remember back back in the vast mists of time when I used to study ancient Greek. Not for very long, mind you. Uh, There was not, definitely not the Delta Plus. There just wasn't. I'm afraid not. Today, there are hundreds of people marching on College Green, maybe even thousands of people uh, down in Parliament Square to impress upon ministers the need to open up the travel industry in this country to allow airlines and associated travel companies to actually do the business they were set up to do. Of course, if you're in UEFA, you can fly anywhere. Don't worry, it's not a problem. And you even probably have a special gate to go through. 
even if you haven't got a passport, you'll be fine. The Travel Day of Action has been organised to solve the desperate situation and to pressurise the Prime Minister to open the borders now. At the same time, we are hearing that July the 5th could see more countries being moved to a green list, which could mean you could book a holiday to Ibiza and Mallorca. Even maybe today. Up first this morning, we'll be quizzing Tory MP Matt Vickers on his thoughts uh, to the lifting of lockdown restrictions because they are getting ever nearer. And of course, as usual, we need your help. If you've got questions for him, by all means, ask us and we can ask him. 0344 499 1000. It's also, of course, the fifth anniversary of the Brexit referendum. And there's all kinds of people trying to make out the country is just as divided as it ever was. I saw Dominic Grieve on Julie Hartley Brewer's show earlier. I don't really want to see Dominic Grieve anywhere, thanks very much indeed. Uh, what complete, uh, absolute, utter tosh. Most sensible Remainers have accepted the fact that we have now left the European Union and we are better off for it. Just imagine if we were still living under the yoke of the insufferable EU Commission. They were still sulking in their tents and trying to torpedo the Good Friday Agreement just to save face and punish the United Kingdom. We'll be talking to former Brexit Party MEP Belinda De Lucy. Plus, Tonya Buxton is here as well with her take on the week. She's going to be looking into reports this morning that children as young as five are suffering from panic attacks about meeting friends because they've been locked away in isolation for so much of their lives. How are your children doing? Are you worried about them? We need to know. 0344 499 PMQs as well. Prime Minister's question uh, in plain English. We'll be joined by Peter Caldwell, former Downing Street advisor, uh, to talk us through the latest from Captain Hindsight and Boris Johnson, of course. Plus, we've got Lisa Francesca Nand and Georgie Frost as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the home of Common Sense, the original and the best. It is, of course, the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It's Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, let us, without further ado, uh, head over to Matt Vickers, Conservative MP for Stockton South. Matt, a very good morning to you. Good morning and happy Independence Day. Well, thank you very much indeed. We finally got there. I mean, it doesn't seem like five years. I mean, I don't know where the time's gone, Matt. I mean, well, you were probably still at school, weren't you, when we voted to leave the European Union? Well, it, it, I may as well have been. It's been that long in the coming, <laughs> I think. But uh, we, we've got there in the end. We've got there. We've got trade deals coming out of our ears. We're signing more as we speak. It's happening everywhere. I mean, what do you uh, make of all these people like Dominic Grieve and others? David Gork uh, complaining that, you know, oh, the country's still just as divided as it ever was. Well, I don't think it is, actually. I think most sensible people have totally accepted the fact that we've left the European Union, even if they voted to remain in it, and are just getting on with their lives. I think, yeah, we're, we're optimistic. Well, you know what? We've got a lot to be optimistic. We've got a lot to be positive about. We've got trade deals coming left, right and centre. Uh, we can see the impact on business in my part of the world, the opportunities to export, to import. It's all happening. We should be upbeat about it. And there's a reason that those people are no longer in Parliament. Yeah, well, exactly right. They got voted out by the people, funnily enough. It's a good thing, democracy, sometimes. Now, the other thing that I want to pick up with you before we start to talk about, I know, something very dear to your heart, um, is about these uh, lockdown restrictions. Because I think as time's going on, Matt, more and more people are beginning to say, eh, well, do you know what? I mean, if, if it's good enough for UEFA, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for the G7, it's good enough for me. And I think the government is eroding its own kind of re- regulations by allowing all these exemptions to people who are rich and famous and uh, powerful. I think when we've been locked in as long as we have, when we've sacrificed as much as we have, I think people are probably, you know, people are more irritable and have the right to be irritable about these sort of us and them situations. Uh, and I think the right to do so. But you know what? It's another success story, isn't it? The vaccine programme. We can't stop going on about it because it's so, so positive. Um, yeah, but it's, only, but it's only positive, Matt, if we then get the result that we wanted to get from the positive thing. And that is that we can get back to normal because we haven't yet got back to normal. Yeah, we want rid of the masks. We want rid of the social distancing. Um, that said, I actually think a lot of the things that we've got, we've already got back most of what we'd lost. We can go to the pub. We can go to a restaurant. We can meet people indoors and have we got what we've got two in a bit weeks uh yeah, yeah i mean listen bit... i'm not i'm not i'm not one of those that says the glass is always half empty but the problem is an awful lot of businesses still can't make any money an awful lot of families still can't make any plans for the summer because they don't know what they can do and an awful lot of people um are just absolutely fed up to the back teeth of it all i think i've met with a lot of landlords in my part of the world this week um and you were looking at some of the you know even the ones that have got the doors open they're still facing all sorts of challenges of having to do table service you need more staff to do that yeah you can't fit the people in. you know the england match which should have been a bumper for the pubs in my area um they, they just couldn't fit the capacity right. that they normally and that's the kind of thing i mean for example the, you know the fact that we're going to see sixty-six thousand people at wembley for the final of the euros why could we not have seen sixty-six thousand last night for the england game what's it's the difference yeah, yeah. And we've come as far as we have. I mean, we've got this experimental programme, haven't we, going on with events where they're testing people on the way in and trying to work out 
what the best measure. But I think actually all of those events have seen such low yeah. uh, infection rates that actually there's very few reasons left to keep. Yeah, but up. I mean the reason why the numbers of people, uh, for example, in Hungary in the stadium there uh, is so high is because they've all shown that they've been double vaccinated. Now uh, that's more or less what you have to do to go to Wembley now. So why have why not just fill it up? I think, well, yeah, I think, I mean, we need to reform the entire thing, really, because the, you, there's no point in getting the vaccine if you then can't do anything. No, exactly. I well, I mean, there is a point in getting it, because it will, it will mean that you're not going to get seriously ill if you get coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up spending eight days in the flat when I'd actually had already had it. Uh, I've had my first vaccine. Um, we need to get the rules right around what happens. There needs yeah. to be benefits having had that vaccine. We need to work out pretty quickly now. But that's it. I mean, we're hearing this week that the, the quarantine may disappear. And I'm going to ask you about that, by the way, because we had a, a lady on yesterday uh, who was complaining about having been stuck in quarantine. And you might have seen some social media activity around this. Some of the food that these people are being made to eat is quite frankly disgraceful. Um, I'd like you to, to, to see what you can do about that, Matt. We'll take it back. I think I've, I've had a few similar complaints in my part of the world, so we're already um, kicking up about this. But yeah. I think, I think right, when people are being forced to pay that sum of money, uh, they shouldn't be forced to live like that. I mean, I'd be demanding, you know, steak au poivre every day or something, you know, and a bit of foie gras, perhaps. But, you know, I mean, these guys are getting, are getting given sort of, you know, disgusting-looking stuff in a, in a polystyrene box. Grim. Absolutely grim. grim. Now, what about the uh, the white privilege story yesterday? Because I know you were talking about it in Parliament. So so let's just mention that in passing, because um, everybody from me to uh, to uh, all sorts of other commentators over the past few years have been saying it's very obvious that the one group of people in this country, uh, particularly boys, actually, white working class boys, are the most underprivileged of all. And so it would so it would seem. I think when you go, you know you what you go to some of the schools in my part of the world and you meet you meet white working class kids. Uh, the, the the idea of any sort of privilege for those guys is light years away. Um, and I think do you know what it just shows that the more we try to do positive discrimination, the more we try to focus in and pick pick winners and losers, the more of a mess we make of it. Yeah, actually, you just got to get out there and give support to those in need and get them across the line. But the question is, right? What is that support going to look like? When is it going to be made available? Um, and when, when would you expect to see results? Because I think one of the things that I find frustrating with this government, Matt, is that they set out an awful lot of good ideas and they look uh, at what they want to fix and they say where they're going to fix it, but then nothing really happens. There's a, I think the thing with education is we teachers are the best people to, to teach kids, uh, basically, and I think the more that we fiddle... And well, that depends on what they teach them, doesn't it? Out what, what, well, and I also think we're pumping the money in. There is more money for every kid in every school. In my part of the world, you can see real differences in local schools. You can see that investment. Um, but we've got to free up the teachers to get on with the job instead of giving them, you know, target. Education needs to be colorblind. It doesn't need to be about boys and girls or the color of anybody's skin. It needs to be about teaching kids. And we need to stop fannying on talking about all these different concepts and just actually let teachers teach kids. Yeah, but doesn't it also mean we have to have a quick look at the curriculum and to see what these kids are actually being taught? Because if they are being taught uh, that their white privilege is some kind of a problem, which I know is being taught in some schools, then surely that must be stopped. I'd be spot on. <laughs> spot on. I think, actually, we have all these divisive, uh, divisive ideas and, and, and things that come about, like white privilege, like all these concepts, like taking flags down in skills. Um, actually, we just need to get on with it, I think. Yeah, just need to, well, I mean, given the experience I've had of some people coming out of the education system, uh, they'd be quite good to teach them a bit of spelling and mathematics, I think. Probably, probably a very good observation. Yes, I, I, I get so. to see kids from all sorts of uh, backgrounds in the constituency. Um, and actually the grafters the doers yeah uh, well listen just because you come well, just because you come from a poor background it doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to spell does it no and they you to be fair i think some of the kids in some of the toughest schools have a bigger hunger for education than, than many of the others yeah no i think that's absolutely right stay with us mac this is talk radio across the uk online on dab plus and on the talk radio app the independent republic of mike gray on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've got a huge show for you today. Loads going on. We're going to talk to Melinda Lucy about Brexit. Uh, we've got Prime Minister's questions, of course. Peter Cardwell joins us for that. Tonya Buxton will be here as well to talk about the terrible toll uh, which is being taken now by children because of the lockdown. Um, Matt Vickers is here with his Conservative MP for Stockton South. Matt, you've got a particular bee in your bonnet uh, this morning about pets and the thieves that break people's hearts by stealing them. 
Yeah, pet theft. It's it's up in my area, 35%. Very few people are getting the pets back when this happens. But actually, do you know what? It's about what happens when your pet does get stolen yeah. and the, 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 the sentence that someone gets for doing it. They could get a tougher sentence for nicking a bike than nicking your dog. Really? I mean, that's just and is it mostly, it's mostly dogs, I'm assuming, is it? I think it's mostly dogs on the whole, yeah. It's, the thought that you can send you, you know, you can't leave your kids to take the dog down the park in case the dog gets nicked is ridiculous. Well, that's also a, t- a problem, isn't it? Because if, you, if, you, if you're worried about your kids' safety, generally speaking, and if there are these horrible, because there are basically horrible gangs of people stealing dogs to put them into fights or bet, bet on them or something like that, you know, the kids might be in danger as well. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, I mean, it's just unbelievable, actually. But I also think the consequence, I think, A, we've got to crack down on it and find these people, but B, it's about the consequence mm. if someone does get caught and the fact that, you you know, based on the value of the dog, that is ridiculous. Really? You know, some see dogs as a member of the family. Mm. They see them, you know, during lockdown, there are people who live alone and the only companion they've had is the dog. Right. The mother has a slightly obese Bichon uh, called Archie. Right. If he went missing, I think you'd rather see sure me go missing. Have you got than permission him? from uh, Meghan Markle for that one? I'm sure <laughs> she won't sue him. You know. You know, my mum would. I reckon my mum would miss that dog more than she'd miss me if I got stolen. I think. I think we do have to have real consequences. Yes. And I mean, so what happens? So, so if, if you can show a receipt for a dog that's a thousand quid, the guy will get more of a sentence than if you you just got given it. Well, as, as an aggravating or mitigating fact, the value of the thing that's stolen is the thing that de- determines. It doesn't matter about your emotional attachment to the dog. Right. Uh, that, that seems fairly limited in mm. sense. We actually need a specific offence because it is a very specific thing. It's not like stealing a, you know, a household item. Right. Having your dog and also, we do know at the moment that the police are not particularly uh, brilliant at collecting um, criminals. They're not very good at solving crimes. I actually uh, was having a conversation last night with one of, you'll probably know exactly who it, who this was, a member of the London Assembly from the Green Party who basically said that uh, anyone who is on an e-scooter or a bicycle who breaks the law should basically get away with it because it's good for the environment. So you can only really face a problem uh, as uh, uh, committing crimes on the road if you're driving a vehicle with an engine. And the police joined in and said the same thing. The e-scooter thing is a massive debate, isn't it? I think I've, I can see the convenience in it. I can see the advantage of it. But then, you know what you see? I remember we had a meeting with the police, uh, people from across my constituency, a lot of older, older people generally, uh, put their questions to the uh, assistant chief constable. And it was one of the biggest things. Um, a, a chap had been hit by a bike. Oh, it's really dangerous. Before. Very dangerous. Yeah. It, I mean, and they move with some speed. They move with a hell of a lot of speed. Um, and the, I mean, the worst part about them, actually, is if you're on the continent, and they dump these things all over. You know, Boris yeah. Bike goes to its stand. We know where it is. Um, you go to you go to some of these big cities in Europe, and these things are just dumped all over the street. Which is which is which is all very well for those of us who can see okay and can walk okay, but not so great uh, if you're either you know visually impaired in some way uh, or you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely definitely. shocking. I mean, well, there's another job for you. Get those banned as well, Matt Myra. I've got a petition in Parliament, actually, before it uh, needs to get to 100,000 signatures so you can talk about it. Myself and Mr. Loophole, uh, Nick Freeman. So check it out. Um, and, on e-scooters. Uh, see, on e-scooters, yeah, to get them regulated and to get them registered so that people who are on them, because we don't even know who these people are. So if they do get involved in an accident, you can track them down. Yeah, they did a trial, actually, in Teesside of e-scooters. We were like a trial area and let people hire these things out. And two kids decided to take them for a drive down the dual carriageway, and the police had to go and recover them. Uh, they, they are, you know, we've got to find a way to regulate. We've got to find a way that if, if these things are going to be part of our street streets, uh, we've, got, we've got to find a way to regulate them and make sure they're used safely. Yes. Now, I've, got, I've asked people to uh, put questions to you. So I've got one here uh, from Scott, who I think uh, is a little bit on the angry side. He says, uh, Scott from Southampton, please tell Matt Vickers MP that I hold the parliament which imposed these ludicrous assaults on our freedoms in absolute contempt. I have not and will not be obeying any of these restrictions. How does he like that? <laughs> well, hopefully in two weeks' time, you won't have to obey them anymore. Yeah, uh, I know, but, but isn't it amazing? If, you can't, if, you, if, it's, if it's not dangerous in two weeks, how is it not dangerous now? Well, it's all about data. That's what they tell you. But actually, do you know when I'm talking to the landlords in my constituency, they tell me they would rather this for another two weeks than the potential of another lockdown. Another lockdown will will wipe out even more than we've already lost. Yeah, but there doesn't need to be another lockdown. The government can simply say we will never lock down again because look at the damage it caused and we don't wish to do that. We would find an alternative way of sorting out any coronavirus outbreak in the future. I think you're entirely right in that we've got to learn to live with the thing. We've got to learn to live with it. We've, we've, we've messed around for a year trying to find it. Oh, well, 
we got people vaccinated. We got the solution, and we do need to make the most of that solution. Now these jabs. I mean, look at this. Up. Even Jane Moore in the Sun, a very estimable columnist in the newspaper, blow the whistle on restrictions for everyone, Boris. So you can give him that message today, Matt. Prime Minister's questions. Are they going to be talking to you today? I'll get myself down to the tea room when he, he pops in the tea room after he's been in, asked his question. Right. And I'll holler him and I'll tell him Mike wants rid the restrictions. Just give him a message from myself and say, look, Mike Graham says it's time to lift everything, Boris, please. Um, if we can do it in two weeks, why can't we do it now? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make the point, Mike. Very well said. <laughs> Good man. Thank you very much indeed. Matt Vickers, MP uh, from, of course, Stockton South. Uh, this is the way to get messages to Boris Johnson. Just give them to me, I'll give them to them, and he'll get the message. He might ignore it, but at least he'll get it. He knows we're on the radar, he knows he's on our radar, and he knows that we're watching. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. As I said, uh, there's a lot of positive news around this morning. There's a big demonstration going on uh, down in Parliament Square uh, where a lot of people from the travel industry have decided to go and lobby Parliament to explain to them why they need to be able to fly, they need to be able to go on ships, they need to be able to drive, they need to be able to go on holiday, they need to go back to work, they need to open the economy and they want to tell MPs, uh, if they want to listen, that this is a very, very important thing that they now must do because we're already hearing that it might be that we get some green list countries being announced next week. People might be able to go to Mallorca, to Ibiza. People might be able to go back to other parts of Spain. It needs to happen and it needs to happen now. Let's face it. 0344 499 1000. If you've got stories about booking holidays, about wanting to, about not being able to, uh, we want to hear from you because we'll be talking to Lisa Francesca Nan a little bit later on. Today also, though, is the fifth anniversary of the Brexit referendum. Let's talk to Belinda DeLucy, former Brexit Party MEP, a woman uh, who I admire greatly, not just for the work she's done uh, to get us out of the European Union, but for the work that she did leading up to all of that before I even knew her. Belinda, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on on this very special anniversary. Well, isn't it just because imagine I was just thinking this morning as I was listening to some of the mealy mouthed sort of commentators like Dominic Grieve, who was on Julia's show talking about how the country's still divided and some uh, idiots done a poll in which they reckon that if they had to vote now, 51 percent of people would vote to remain. Absolute rubbish. I mean, most sensible people have now accepted it, haven't they? Yeah, listen, Brexit was basically the 21st century version of the peasants' revolt against the feudal lords. <laughs> yes. And Nigel Farage was our Watt Tyler. And the people like Dominic Grieve and Subri and Osborne and all that lot, they lost. So, of course, they're going to keep peddling the idea that, you know, the uneducated plebs uh, just were too stupid to know what they were voting for and must have changed their minds now. But the, the British people who voted in 2016, they joined the heroes of, of history from the peasants in the 14th century to the levellers, the chartists, the suffragettes and all the men and women that have fought in wars to save our fragile democracy. Those people who voted for Brexit in 2016 saved the soul of our country. And of course, the establishment don't like it because they like abusing their power. Yes. And Brexit stops the establishment abusing their power. They can no longer blame Brussels for anything. No. They're accountable now. Well, they are accountable. I mean, we'll talk about how accountable they might have to be very soon if they don't lift the lockdown, but that's another story altogether. But what about the fact that the European Union seems to have kind of careered off the road since we left? I mean, they're like a sort of uh, bitter and twisted ex-wife or ex-husband. They don't seem to be able to settle. They're not happy until they're kind of torturing us either via Northern Ireland or through the fisheries problem. You know, they're really petulant, aren't they? I mean, I think that's putting it rather nicely, to be honest. Uh, yeah, the, the, the people uh, uh, in Brussels at the moment trying to punish us over Brexit, they're no friends of ours. They're literally trying to annex part of our kingdom. And this is what they had decided as soon as we voted Brexit. They, you know, they were overheard saying, oh, well, Northern Ireland is the price they'll pay for Brexit. Um, they are not friends. They don't believe in democracy. They don't like anyone having the vote. No Eurosceptic vote in Europe ever was respected. It was always overturned until the Brits voted Brexit. So mm. we will hopefully, like William Pitt said 200 years ago when we were fighting against the French in the Napoleonic Wars, he said England has saved herself by her exertions and will, I trust, save Europe by her example. And this is what I hope to, hope to do with our European friends is inspire them to reclaim their democratic agency against people who, quite frankly, uh, are hate democracy and they're trying 
even the Germans recently, I think it was only last month, they wanted to get rid of the vetoes. Yeah. So, you know, slowly by slowly, the EU is becoming a recipe for conflict, not for peace like it was originally. Uh, yeah. you know, and I think people. also, I think people will want, and sometimes football uh, brings things home in a way that you weren't, weren't expecting it to. You know, to watch the football is to watch a lot of very, very proud countries singing their hearts out, fans turning up, supporting their country. You watch teams like Croatia, even Denmark, Germany, Italy, France. You know, you see how proud those people are of their own individual countries. You don't see people there waving an EU flag going, there's no such thing as nationality anymore. We're all globalists. You know, forget about it. I know they hate national flags. I don't know if you remember. Um, we were told to leave and take our flags with yes. us. You know, the last speech that Nigel did in Parliament and we kept sneaking our flags in and putting them up on our on our little desks. It really got them wound up. Mm. They do not like nation states. They want a European government that are totally unaccountable. I mean, the commission mate was making laws for the British people in secret yeah. behind our backs and are totally unaccountable. The British have a much more um, pure idea of democracy than lots of our continental friends because we've been an island. Obviously, we are an island, so we haven't had constant dictators mm. uh, conquering our land and taking taking over our, our, our laws. We've actually been quite a free country. I mean, we haven't had a successful conquering really since uh, William the Conqueror. So for a thousand years, we've we've loved and cherished our democracy. It's not quite the same over on the continent uh, where where it's they share borders and they're constantly right. fighting each other. Um, so I'm really pleased that we left. And I think being patriotic and having a love for our country and our history and our heroes gives people so much um, uplifting sense of belonging. We want to belong and, and appreciate and love our own culture and mm. history. We couldn't do that in the EU. They don't like it. No, exactly. Also, there's nothing really to belong to in the EU. I mean, unless you happen to be on a fat salary with a very nice large Mercedes S-Class to be driven around in and a very nice expense account. That's the only thing you can believe in if you're in the European Parliament or in the European Commission. But there's no actual EU to believe in, is there? No, and it's really sad because if you think about it, you know, Brexit was never about English, po British politicians being perfect. It was about, you know, making our parliament more accountable. If you're Italian or German, Spanish, and your grandma or grandpa died before the vaccine, who do you blame? You can't blame your government. Mm. You can't blame your elected MPs because they'll just say, sorry, hands were tied. The EU, you know, makes rules and we had no choice over it. At least in this country, when there is an abuse of power, we can now take them to task at the ballot box and, uh, and, and hold them to account and sack them. They yeah. are our, our employees, after all. Well, exactly right. And um, isn't it interesting how Liz Truss has been so successful at doing various different trade deals? I mean, the Australian one was done basically over the weekend. The EU used to tell us that it would take a minimum of 10 to 20 years to do a trade deal because they could never get everyone to agree. Well, the sad thing was when we joined, signed up to the EU, we rather shut the door on our old Commonwealth friends. And poor Australia and New Zealand were sort of looking at us thinking, hang on a minute, we fought alongside you in the war. We're, we're BFFs. Mm. Why are you you know, shutting the door in our face and joining your European friends. And now, because of Brexit, we've been able to open the doors to our friends. And think about it, Mike, Australia and New Zealand, more uh, Brits between the age of 18 and 25 travel and work to Australasia than they do in the whole of the EU put together. Mm. So the whole argument about, oh, what about our young and free movement to work? We, we like Australia and New Zealand, where they speak English, you know, it's a far more popular place for Brits to go and travel. And the Australian trade deal you know, reflects this very close partnership and historical friendship. And I'm so excited. It wasn't a rollover trade deal like the Remainers always accused we'd only have. It was a fresh new trade deal done very yes. quickly. And the EU are smarting over it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, all the things that they said would be a disaster have not been a disaster. There are still people sort of uh, bumping their gums slightly about Northern Ireland and about the, uh, the fisheries situation. Um, but as far as I can tell, those things will be solved. Um, they're not causing any massive disruption to anybody's actual lives. You know, we're not seeing empty supermarket shelves, which is what people are claiming was going to happen. Remember when the European Medicines Agency was leaving, we were all going to be terribly unwell because we weren't, weren't going to have any medicine. And it's like, oh well, yeah, we were, we were told that sperm donation was going to end. Right. It was the we were we were told that it was going to be the end of the West. We right. had. Obama, the president of Japan, BBC Sky, the banks, they were all the hard muscle of Remain just kept beating down on Brexit voters. But the British people weren't having any of it. And we must always remember 
that in our hearts, what we can achieve against all odds, against everyone with platform and power, we can still beat them. Because even if we have nothing, we have our vote. And the ballot box is stronger than ever. So, you know, the future looks bright, Mike. I think so. Also, I'm the eternal optimist anyway, Belinda. I mean, I believe uh, as I came in this morning, I was feeling quite well um, uh, uh, optimistic about the future of, of the lockdown, not least because I think people are beginning to see through the kind of the two-faced approach by the government, like, for example, letting easy way for people in uh, without having to quarantine, like letting the G7 go ahead in Cornwall because apparently there's no COVID down there. Uh, but also today, the, the travel industry is taking a stand. And I like to see, and you've spent some time uh, pounding the streets of, uh, of Parliament Square in the old days when you were campaigning for Brexit. And I think it's great that they're now turning up in their hundreds and maybe thousands today to say, open up the bleeding borders. Let us go away. Let us let us invite people in. Let us get business back to normal. It's like, Mike, we were given all this freedom. We won it. We should have been able to process it and celebrate it. Then COVID hit. And, you know, we, we haven't been able to utilise our freedoms yet and celebrate them. But the British people, are, you know, are hungry for it now. Mm. And we're not going to let all those Brexit uh, joyous moments of being these freedom fighters yes. to be curtailed now because the, honestly if the government abuses its power any more than it is because i do think the restrictions now are unjustified and and it's political now it's mm. not based on on data and stats clearly no. then you know they're going to suffer at the ballot box for it but uh, listen mike i've seen a lot more people with those exempt badges i think you can get them from amazon and i, I mean they're they're everywhere now so i'm not sure they're all quite kosher but i do love the way that brexit engaged so many people politically that when COVID hit, a lot more minds were questioning, you know, and saying, hang on a minute, Project Fear yeah. happened for, for years. And half of it was, a, well, most of it was a load of absolute codswallop. And then Project Fear hit again with COVID. Yeah. And we're like, hang on, no, we've learned our lesson. Yeah. We're going to start questioning. Well, listen, well, people are now going to just be like average humans would normally be. Well, if you can't catch it because you're a member of UEFA and you can't catch it because you're in Cornwall, then I'm pretty sure that uh, I might not bother wearing a mask when I go out. Well, it's all about rich and poor again, though, as well, because if you're rich, then you can travel anywhere you like. Yeah. You just pay for all the tests and you won't have to work. So you can quarantine in your lovely, you know, palatial mansion. I think Madonna, I think Madonna has been to 26 countries in a private jet <laughs> in the past year. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not fair. It's absolutely discriminatory. On all, And think of it, the people who need that sort of cheap holiday abroad, because I tell you what, English holidays are, are really expensive. Yeah, now. they I are. Tried on the coast and we can't. Um, they needed to get out of their flats somewhere sunny, a nice little cheap holiday in Portugal. They could have really done with that, but no, reserved only for the rich. And mm. that is where Boris is getting it wrong. He doesn't quite see that, that the way we interpret that is one rule for the rich and powerful and one rule for the poor. Exactly okay. right. Well, listen, Belinda, hopefully we'll see you soon. Uh, hopefully it will be party time uh, and uh, we'll all be back to normal and we'll all be uh, jetting off on holidays, cheap or otherwise, uh, very, very soon. Belinda Lucy, thank you very much indeed. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So much more to do. We will take more of your calls, of course, as well. You know what to do, 0344 499 1000. If you are uh, still thinking about possibly trying to book a holiday, we've got some news coming up for you with Lisa Francesca Nand. If you are uh, still thinking about trying uh, to uh, go up against the regulations, if you're still trying to get hold of your doctor, if you're still trying to sort out your school with your children, by all means, do give us a call, 0344 499 1000. You tell us what your experience is, we tell everybody else that's how it works and we all help one another. Lots more to do, of course, as well. Coming up uh, in the next hour, we're going to be talking about a great many things. Uh, we've got Prime Minister's questions as well, of course. Captain Hindsight lining up against Boris Johnson. Uh, will it be a score draw? Uh, Peter Cardwell will be helping us out with that. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. This is Talk Radio. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let us, without further ado, uh, seek the guidance of Lisa Francesca Nan, travel expert, creator of the Big Travel Podcast. Lisa, very good morning to you. Good morning. How was your posh lunch? I saw that you put out a rather nice picture the other day of you wandering off into some, um, uh, I'd presume, outdoor activity. 
Uh, do you know what? It was a very long lunch. It was yesterday, and I'm still feeling the effects of it now. We just went from uh, Sussex is lovely, isn't it? The Sussex countryside Beautiful, is lovely. Yeah, absolutely, the really South lovely. Downs, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I sort of found bizarrely just with the other Sunday, I was doing something with Patrick Christie's show, and I found this kind of um, part of. Uh, just outside of Brighton, this area just behind the race course where they had this beautiful kind of stretch of, of South Downs you could walk the dog on. And there was nobody there. It was literally deserted. There was no, not a soul. I know that stretch. And actually, there are, you know, talking of holidays, there are some really lovely things to do in this country, aren't mm. there? There really are. No, there are. <laughs> now, let's talk t- today about the travel industry because the travel industry is very much in focus. There's a big demonstration going on in London. Lots of people angry because they can't do their jobs. They're pilots, they're travel companies, they're, you know, people who work in the industry and want the government to know how annoyed they are. I mean, this is quite a big thing, isn't it? You know, it's no longer about holidays, is it? And I th- I'm always saying that there's absolutely no shame in wanting a holiday. We've all have a, a tough coming up to a year and a half, I guess, or a year and a quarter. And, uh, you know, there's absolutely no shame in wanting a holiday. But this, the restrictions now on people going abroad are getting really, really serious in terms of thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs uh, and businesses that depend on aviation and travel and people moving, coming in and out the country. And uh, so, yeah, it's getting, it's getting very, very serious, Mike. And I'm really just hoping um, we've got rumours coming out in, in the press today, as you know, the sort of they've started to leak things again. Um, that we'll actually get some definitive news tomorrow, which can help us start getting things moving. Well, we're already hearing, aren't we, that July the fifth may in fact be a day when something happens, whether it's to do with uh, domestic um, lifting of some restrictions or whether it's something to do with travel. We may get some green list uh, countries uh, being announced sometime next week. You know, again, it's that whole kind of. Uh, you know can we can't we should we shouldn't we should we get a, a, a holiday now to save money should we wait i mean it's it's madly it is um, july the 5th has been talked about july the 19th uh, freedom day is recording it uh, in the uk uh, that's been talked about as when travel might open again but then some ministers are saying uh, we shouldn't do anything until august we should supposedly be having a green list announcement tomorrow uh, rather than next week but okay. you know we who knows exactly what's going to happen until right. it's announced and even when it is announced it's not 100% certain that things might not change might change right well that's the, that's the maddening thing i mean the mantra now is that we don't want to go backwards well uh, they said that when they gave portugal the green light and then suddenly they went backwards um and it's very difficult to know because they did that on the grounds that they wanted to save june the 21st well that's gone so i mean i, I just i find it very very difficult to know what to do really and i think a lot of families feel the same way and I, I, i've got a question for you actually because i had this um a tweet from a from a woman yesterday uh, who's annoyed with the company that she um, uh, was involved with. She booked a, a, a cruise, basically, uh, and found that she was being asked if she could get the vaccinations for her two sons, one of whom is 17 and one of whom I think is 21. And it, it threw up this whole sort of list of questions about at what point, if you know, if you're depending on how old your children are, are you expected to be able to show that they've been vaccinated? Uh, the, the cutoff should actually be 18. That's uh, that's what we're hearing at the moment. Mm. And, and people are saying that now we could be uh, able to go away um, and not quarantine on, on the return if you've had two jabs. So I think the jab thing is, is quite good, you know, to get things moving. If, if you'd have asked me a few months ago, and you probably did, saying, you know, is it fair that, you know, we need a jab to go away? I'd have probably said probably it's not really fair, but no. actually just to get something moving. Um, but I don't think legally they have any, they can they can get away with that although if it's a private company they probably well it's p and o cruises apparently and, mm. and they basically said they've they've just recently changed their vaccination policy but it seems to me that if the government is not mandating vaccines then surely a cruise company can't do it either um, I think as a private business, they're able to. Saga Cruises have said that they want everyone vaccinated to go on there. But it's different when you're a 17-year-old. It, just, it makes no sense to me. And I think that must be uh, really frustrating. I don't know what the answer is, though. Mm, yeah. And if you've booked and they've changed the rules, that's the other question is, well, can you then say, well, I want my money back? And they say, well, you can't cancel because this is our cancellation policy and we're going to take a few hundred quid off you. And all of these things are just leading to people just not going away. Even the most 
keen of travelers that I'm speaking to are actually saying, well, actually, we're not going to bother. Yeah. You know, what What if you go to, say, Portugal, as, as happened a few weeks ago, it's on the green list, and then you're rushing to get back. This is precisely what happened last year and precisely what the vaccines are meant to liberate us from. So I really can't blame people for mm. saying, actually, we're not booking, which is the last thing, you know, the travel industry needs. We need people to actually say, yes, let, let's book, let's go. But I think the only way we're going to do that is to get some certainty from the government. And, you know, like we're saying, it, it's not the, yet there at all. No, it's really few and far between as far as that is concerned what about the 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 resorts of europe because we're told that you know it might be that you can go to ibiza you might be able to go to mallorca uh, if the green list uh, list changes effectively but are those places still insisting on mask wearing on the beach because that's what we were hearing from southern spain earlier in the week uh, and also down in portugal uh, mask wearing is going to stop supposedly on the 26th of June uh, for the whole of Spain. Oh, really? um, it does. It does depend on the autonomous community. Uh, they can make their own decisions. Mm. There's something like 16 or 17 autonomous communities in Spain, um, but they have been wearing masks outside. I was there last summer. It's actually really, really quite hardcore wearing a mask outside all of the time yeah. and ridiculous. I remember going down the. Uh, I went out for a walk with my dad, who's 82 this mm. year, and he walks 10k every day. Right. More some days. Good for him. And um, and I said, quick, Dad, the police are coming. Put your mask on. And it was just the funniest thing. It's not what you expect to say uh, to your 82-year-old dad. When you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, we were on a cliff top and we saw these police coming on, on motorbikes. Um, but Spain, you will be mask-free, outside at least, from June the 26th. So that's really nice. Um, so we are hearing possibly that some of the Spanish islands might go on the green list tomorrow. The levels there are so low. I've just been having a look at some of the levels. And Spain, even Spain as a whole country, is half of what our levels are, apparently. Yeah. 100,000. So it just absolutely makes no sense. No. You know, it's, those people should not want us going in. It's not, it shouldn't really be the other way around. Well, except that we have this ridiculous ability to kind of kibosh ourselves, don't we? I mean, because Germany basically reacted uh, like that when they saw the Indian variant that we were reporting was getting so many people sick, which of course it wasn't. It was a load of tests that were coming back positive, and then they call them cases, and then suddenly Germany goes, actually, we don't really want you here, thanks very much indeed. But, you know, it's all a, it's all a kind of a false picture because actually, uh, the number of people in hospital is very very low the number of people going into hospital is very very low and it's simply not the case uh, that we are in a bad state here no, we're, we're doing really well, you know, and this is exactly what the vaccines were meant to do. And it seems to be that they're working. And I'm, I'm no scientist, but like you said, there's much fewer people getting ill now. OK, we do have cases rising, but cases are not the same as people getting really seriously ill and dying. They're really not. And this is exactly what we want to be happening. Right. And it is happening. But, you know, we, we do want other people to let us in those countries as well. No, of course. And what about the situation with the, um, the quarantine? Because we're also being told that there may well be a move that if you have been double vaccinated and you do come back from one of these countries you won't have to uh, quarantine at all yeah so they're talking the government again i think it might be announced tomorrow but if you have two jabs then you won't have to quarantine at all which would be absolutely amazing you'll probably have to do a pre-departure test like you do for green list countries at the moment so pre-departure back to the UK and also a PCR test when you get back here and you can now get them for about 60 quid so that will reduce things greatly it's still a bit of a pain mm. uh, that you have to pay privately for them but that that would be amazing I think it would certainly make a huge difference to somebody like me because I can't come back in quarantine for two weeks because I can't you'd be missed I can't I mean I simply can't be spared Lisa no, it must be very difficult being in such demand. But no, it's true, isn't it? It's personal circumstances. How many people can afford to? Well, I mean, I also wouldn't be. I days. mean, they, I can be spared, but they wouldn't pay me, which is the other reason I don't want to do it. Like so many people, you know, yeah. I'm self-employed and in exactly the same situation. And also, this that you could take the day five test. But that just makes no sense whatsoever. It's like the vaccine, the, the virus doesn't understand whether you've got the money to get a test to take out on day, to get you out of quarantine on day five. It's no. just so it's just penalising people who can't afford it. Basically. I know. It's That's absolutely so shocking. frustrating. Well, we'll keep an eye on the news tomorrow, Lisa. We'll bring it to you, of course, first right here on Talk Radio. Uh, we've got Lisa Francesca Nando telling us tomorrow could be the day. There could be some good news tomorrow about going to somewhere which is now going to be added to the green list of countries. If you've got plans, we want to know what they are. Tell us how you're getting along. Uh, and what are you being told about vaccinations for children? Now, we know that there are mass events being planned. We know that we've got the Euros going on right now. We know that there are some music festivals which are going ahead, others which are not going ahead. Let's talk now uh, to John Giddings, who's the Isle of Wight Festival organiser, to find out what the state of play actually is, because it seems like a lot of things at the moment to be a slightly confused picture. John, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. That I know. A very sad. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I know you guys have had a, a terrible, terrible time of it. What's what's the sort of landscape like at the moment, John? 
It's very sad because the extension of lockdown means we've either had to cancel a lot more events or move them. And then we find out it's not a level playing field or tennis court or racetrack because they're allowing all these mass events at Silverstone, yeah. Wimbledon, the football, and all these events earn money from TV. The, you know, the audience are like window dressing, really. Yeah. And we can only pay for our events if people buy tickets. And that's where the costs come from. Sure. So... We're very upset by it, believe you me. Yes, I can tell. And because I don't blame you. I mean, I know a lot of people in the restaurant business who are still uh, angry because they can't really make any money. They can open, but they can't really do much. Similarly, for some of the restaurants, uh, sorry, some of the events organisers like yourself, John, um, if they have been able to go ahead with an event, it's been so small in terms of the numbers of tickets that you can sell that presumably it's not really commercially viable. No, you can't make any money on a restricted capacity because you've still got to pay everybody the same fees. You've got to pay the same amount of money for fences, generators, everything that goes with it. Yeah. You know, the weekend download for 10,000 people, which is a fifth of what they would normally have, you still have to provide the same infrastructure. And right. we forced the government to accept test events. And it's achieved nothing, really, because they haven't accepted the findings. It's been leaked today, mm. and it shows that... The, the spike of, you know, 15 people in the whole of Liverpool over that weekend is incredible, isn't it? Well, it really is. And isn't it funny how, you know, whenever there's bad news to impart, you know, they can't wait to get it out there and tell everybody how terrible it is. We've got this new Delta Plus variant, apparently they found in India now. Um, but when they've got good news, they don't seem to want to tell anyone. Well, I, d I don't understand why they're treating the music business as second-class citizens. Mm. To my knowledge, we bring more money to the economy than football does. Yeah. Because football teams pocket their money, right. and you know we bring it into the economy. Exactly right. And so, what have you what have you been told about this task force, John? You know, because um, John Whittingdale has been talking this morning on various different uh, outlets, including our own, about how they're looking into the possibility of sort of you know effectively vaccine passports for things. I mean, what, what, what's the status of all of that? I think they're fobbing us off, but I think it's very, very simple. I mean, people went to the football at the weekend. They just show their phone with two vaccinations and right. get ushered in. And we have to do lateral flow tests, left, right and centre to go to a gig and download. Yeah. We can make it really easy and simple and make it possible for to have 50,000 people in a field. It's no problem. Hmm. Well, that's it. I mean, you're in open air spaces. You've got plenty of space if you wish to do it that way. Um and if you were going to go down, I mean, I, I was talking to Ben Habib earlier on this week, who basically said, well, surely if so many people are now either vaccinated or immune in one way or another, you've got pretty good high levels of immunity to anything that's going on. So you don't even really need to do vaccine passports at all, do you? But as far as I can see, vaccines don't count for music, but they count for every other sport known to man. Yeah. It's an unfair playing field, as I keep saying. Yes. and. We're getting quite riled about it. Believe I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Do you think they just don't get it, John? Because when I talk to people that run pubs and run restaurants, they, I, they, they, they're of the opinion that these Westminster MPs and, and ministers now live in such a kind of bubble themselves. They don't really know what the real world is like. They don't know what it's like unless they've flown into Glastonbury in a helicopter because some rock stars invited them. They don't really know what it's like to go to any of these things. I think they're still living in ivory towers, yeah. but you know, when you pay when you pay people that level of money, you know, you pay peanuts, you see what you get. Yeah, it's it's, it's extraordinary when you see their salaries, and they're meant to be running a country. Yeah, I know. And what about the insurance issue? Because I'm told, um, like for example, Reading and Leeds festivals, which I think they've sold all the tickets for, um, they are, have. are in a kind of slightly cleft stick because they're not sure whether they're covered insurance-wise. Has anything moved on that? There is no insurance for any event at this moment in time for August or September. And there's rumours that it's going to come in, but nobody's saying the level it's going to come in at. And if it comes in too high, then it makes it financially yeah. unviable. Right. And this, would be, in, and this would all, be this would be this would be and this would be insurance to cover people getting infected or things being cancelled or what? Being cancellation insurance, yeah. someone to pay the cost if the event has to be cancelled through some new outbreak. Right. But then I go back to why have we all had these vaccinations? Right. Well, exactly. We've got it to seems open up sometime. Well, exactly. It seems ridiculous when, you know, we were told so many different things last year that, you know, vaccines are the answer, vaccinate the vulnerable, then vaccinate the over 60s, then it was the over 50s, then it was the over 40s, then it was everybody, now it's children. You're kind of going, when does this end? 
exactly and there are going to be other things come along and we just have to deal with it and live with it and get on with it because you know everybody is putting aside the mental health issues everything you know music in the open air is something people crave mm. and they enjoy it and want to go out and enjoy themselves and if, when you're restricting that you're becoming i don't know it, it's horrible everybody i know feels it's horrible it is and no you're absolutely you, right you can you can still have 20,000 Scottish supporters in Leicester Square yeah, drinking a lot and dancing, but you can't dance at a wedding. Explain <laughs> that to me. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's bonkers. I mean, my my hope, John, and, and my belief as well, is that people will just start ignoring some of this stuff. But it doesn't help you, of course, because you can't ignore it, because you, you can't put on a big public event without you know permission to do so. But I just think people are getting more and more fed up with it not least because of what you've just said, but also things like the UEFA delegates coming in, not having to quarantine. You know, I can't go and see my mother who lives in Connecticut. Uh, I haven't seen that's, her for two years. These bozos can the come beggars, in. beggar's belief that we're letting two and a half thousand people in yeah. because they're important. I mean, so what? Well, also, you know, they're not that important, to be honest. I mean, I would just bat. I just say, no, sorry, if you want to move the tournament, move it, you know? Yeah, I would, I would say my staff were more important than them, exactly. earning them a living and keeping their families alive. Exactly. And also, you guys, apart from the employment that you provide, apart from the money that you generate, I mean, you need to presumably be, if you're booking Isle of Wight Festival 2022, you're booking people now for that, aren't you? That's absolutely correct. We've already booked the headliners for next year. Right. And next year is going to be twice as busy. Remember that with all the events moving from last year to this year to next year, there's going to be a raft of shows every weekend. Right. And who's got all the money to buy the tickets for it? It's, it's going to be like a concertina effect. Right. Well, I mean, that's at least something to look forward to. But, I mean, what are you, what are you looking at? Is there, a kind of a, is, there, is there a next sort of date in your head as to when you might find something out which is going to be helpful? I think if it doesn't open up on July 19, there's going to be civil unrest. People are just going to take take the law into their own hands, to be perfectly yeah. frank. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Well, listen, John, I wish you all the best. I mean, I assume you can't do much now this summer. Are you Are you out of the game for 2021? Oh, no, we're going to do the festival. We're going to do the Genesis tour in September. We're going to do everything physically possible to make things happen. Brilliant. Well, listen, we would be very happy to help with anything you need. So uh, just talk to us anytime you want. Uh, we'll try and get the message out there. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. John, thanks very much indeed. John Giddings, Isle of Wight Festival organiser. It's absolute tragic. Uh, it's absolutely tragic that these guys are having to go through this nonsense because it's not just the fact that they don't know whether they can do anything. It's the complete and utter, you know, insanity of some of the comparisons and the way that, as he says, 20,000 Scottish football fans, nothing against Scottish football fans, can dance around, uh, jumping about, uh, being very close to one another, drinking, having a great time. I mean, it did look like fun, but nobody else can do anything. You can't dance at your own wedding. You can't wear um, um, a veil without wearing a mask. I mean, really? Is this what we've come to? For heaven's sake. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.